<laughs> Rajni, what's wrong? Tom, I have a script and I don't know what to do with it. Should I burn it? Feed it to my cat? You need some writer's group therapy. Hello and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Ready for your session? The doctors are in. So we were having this discussion off, off radio, off air, about the movie The Shape of Water. And you brought up an interesting point that I didn't even think of until you said it, that science fiction is becoming more mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh enveloped our whole culture these days in the last 10 years we've seen marvel movies take over the cinemas and uh, star wars make a huge comeback and it's not just sci-fi fans going to see these everyone's going to see them your mother your dad your your uh, your teachers everybody is into them and they're hugely successful and that kind of reminds me of i had this friend she she was always telling me how oh, i don't like i don't like sci-fi i don't like sci-fi and then you'd ask her, like, what, what TV shows does she watch? And uh, I remember she mentioned, uh, well, I mentioned she met, she liked the movie Frequency, which they turned into a TV show recently. And I had to explain to her that that was actually science fiction. And she she was like, no, that that was a story about a, a cop and uh, solving a murder mystery. I'm like, yeah, by talking to his dad 30 years in the past, what do you think that is? So it's this interesting thing about how you layer a little bit of science fiction onto uh, a typical, you know, genre and you create this unique story that people can relate to, but they don't have to be huge sci-fi nerds to enjoy it. Which is interesting because in the last couple years, sci-fi movies do very well, usually, unless they're really, really in that, that genre. Um, TV shows don't always fare as, as well. But I do know, for example, Amazon wants to make a TV show out of Lord of the Rings. So, and science, fan, uh, science fiction and fantasy usually do get lumped together. So, in general, there is that resurgence. Why do you think that is? Well, I think in some cases it's cynical, but I'll say, you know, money. Uh, the movies were hugely successful, so why not try and make some more money off of it? Okay, but science fiction and fantasy stuff is hard to adapt and hard to put on screen because you have so much it special is. It's effects. Expensive. Yeah. So why why even go that route? Well, again, they hugely you know successful in worldwide phenomena. They've kind of got to they got to give it a try at least because they know it's a known entity. So actually, this is really interesting. I was having a discussion with one of the officers at my work, and he said Agents of Shield is one of his favorite TV shows. And I usually tend to watch more sitcoms, or I'll watch Handmaid's Tale, which is one of my favorite shows. I've actually watched that entire series. And I was binge watching like Superstore, which is, again, you know, comedy set in a workplace. And he brought up an interesting point. He said he only watches fantasy shows like comic book shows or Game of Thrones or something like that because the real world is so sad already. He doesn't want to watch anything based in realism. Oh, I totally agree. That's why I never watched The Office. I've worked in too many depressing offices to to want to watch that and and laugh about it. <laughs> But you even mentioned, you said uh, you watched, um, what was the show you just mentioned? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. That's absolutely, that's science fiction. Anytime you, you pose a what-if question, you know, uh, a dystopian future is a classic 
sci-fi, you know, uh, subgenre. Mm -hmm. So everyone who's raving about that is actually raving about a science fiction show. But Margaret Atwood wrote that book so long ago. And I think there may have been a movie or two made about it. There was a movie, But this yeah. is a wildly successful adaptation, and that took a long time. Mm-hmm. But it also shows that there's a growing segment of the uh, genre fan base that is female, too. Yeah. I think Captain Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, really helped that uh, boost that, too, back in the 80s. I have many female friends who got into Star Trek because of him. Well, I think... Growing growing up, I feel like saying you were into science, and, and even now for a little bit, saying you're into science fiction and fantasy puts you in that nerd category. And it wasn't necessarily a cool category to be in. But now with things like Comic-Con is su such a big deal to go to and all those conventions, you told me yourself, there's over 500 co uh, comic book conventions in the U.S. alone in one year. So it is a big market, and finally people are realizing geek is chic. It's cool to be a nerd. And then you also have YA novels, and a lot of popular YA novels are science fiction or fantasy, and they do very well in the theaters. They don't always translate well in adaptation. I think we got a little oversaturated. But for a while, if you wrote YA dystopian fantasy or just YA fantasy, it was like cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, and if you go back to the 70s with the original Star Trek TV show, I trace a lot of the modern young adult fiction back to that because that was kind of groundbreaking. That wasn't just science fiction, but it was a deep social and political commentary. They used science fiction to reflect our own societies and address our own cultural problems. So from where I come from, from a science fiction background, that was always a very key part of it. And I think we're starting to see that in young adult novels. It's not just about, you know, aliens being abducted or people, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. But it's about people who have real problems, and they're just using science fiction as a tool to kind of, uh, you know, show that in a new light and address those kind of issues uh, from a, a unique perspective. Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to our conversation a couple episodes ago regarding using animation to push a political or social agenda. In science fiction and fantasy, the sky's the limit. If you write a fantasy novel, you create the rules of that world. You can say whatever you need to, social commentary-wise, within those parameters, and people can stomach it a little easier because that world's kind of like ours, but not really. So it's okay. Right. I mean, everything from Blade Runner to... Um, um Children of Men, you know, that dealt with, you know, a world without, you know, children, to um, the zombie movies, which are all basically uh, about our fear of pandemics, mm -hmm. which is something very real that we deal with. So then that does raise an interesting point. Why do you think some, because, well, a lot of what we see is adapted from books and comic books, right? Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Hunger Games, um, what else? There's been a ton of YA dystopian. I can't even remember them all. And some of them are new. So why do you think that some adaptations fail? For example, oh, what is that one? I can see the cover in my head and I can't remember. The, the one that they did two movies and then they tried to make it a TV show for the last movie. Divergent. Divergent. That one, that series, oh, yeah. that one didn't do mm -hmm. so hot. 
So why didn't that one do so well versus Game of Thrones? Why did Philip Pullman's, uh, oh. It was the Golden Compass. Yes. Why did that movie do so poorly? And it was actually quite faithful to the book. It was a gorgeous movie. What causes some things to be better than others, do you think? And some new science fiction shows that don't even make it off the ground or, or movies. Hmm. I'm not sure. It's a tough decision because – you know, a lot of those books had a huge popularity within their own audiences, but sometimes in the mainstream they don't do as well. It, you know, it can also come down to marketing, casting, budgets. Um, I think, like you said, I think The Golden Compass was a beautifully done movie, um, and they even set it up to be a sequel. They even left the ending open like uh, the novels were, but there just wasn't a market for it. They had the same trouble with the, the C.S. Lewis books from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, they keep making them, but they having to keep reducing yeah. the budgets and finding new producing partners to get them done. But there's, they know there's still a big market for them that the fan base will still go see them. But, you know, when you start to get into the third or fourth, third or fourth story, you know, your audience starts to get a little tired. Yeah, or like Ender's Game, which is a very popular novel series, and the adaptation was gorgeous. I really liked the movie, but it didn't do so well in the box office. I kind of wonder if with certain science fiction and fantasy things, for, well, for example, you know, I think people got burned out on YA dystopian. I mean, plain and simple, there's just way too many YA dystopian novels turned into movies. But I think also... If science fiction and fantasy is an interesting category with the mainstream, because if you can market it correctly to Joe Schmo mainstream person, then you have a rabid fan. Star Wars fans are rabid fans. Star Trek fans are rabid fans. But if you don't know how to market it to the average person who doesn't normally read that stuff and wouldn't go to a comic book convention, then you don't, you're dead in the water. Yeah. And, and it is, all the typical things that have to do with all movies, marketing, casting, but with sci-fi in general, um, I think a lot of the stuff that appeals to a broader off the audience has, um, has a more grounded aspect to it. It has to be more something they can relate to. And most of the stuff I write that's sci-fi, I try to be as realistic as I can. Even if I add in, you know, some sci-fi fantastical element you know, they say you can always ask the audience for one thing. So give them, you know, ask them for one belief in some thing. Like in frequency, it was that a, a man could talk to his father 30 years in the past over a radio because there's solar flares going on or something. So once you get past that, then it becomes an action mystery movie. But you, if you keep going back to them and, to, and showing them fantastical things and, and going further and further into the fantasy, you can lose some people because then it just becomes a cartoon to, to, to them. It's not mature. It's not. Uh, something they can relate to. So so you kind of you know, start to whittle your audience away as you get more fantastical, I think. Like too much suspension of disbelief kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But as long as it's something you can relate to, then you can you can still you know hold the audience. Mm -hmm. But I mean, is it just marketing or writing? For example, why is why did The Matrix do so much better in the box office than Blade Runner? And people who've seen Blade Runner say they really like it, but it didn't perform well in the box office. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, it's one of my must-see movies, but I don't know why. Actually, um, I, it did get positive reviews, positive critical reviews, but it could be as simple as uh, scheduling. When did it come out? You know, what other movies are in the theater? Maybe they just overestimated the interest in a sequel in this case. So how about for you guys? 
Are you secretly a science fiction nerd and you don't want to admit it? Let us know what your favorite modern science fiction and fantasy movies and TV shows are. Let us know at WG Therapy on Twitter, or you can check us out at writersgrouptherapy.com. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.